0: Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby.
1: Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. And in this episode, we turn our attention to Luke chapter 15, a
2: chapter filled with parables. And
1: we'll begin by looking at verses 1 through 10. Ross, do you mind reading verses 1 through 10, please?
2: Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The fact that Jesus so freely mingled with the
1: multitude, that just seemed to offend the Pharisees and the scribes something terribly. They believed that they demonstrated their own righteousness by their exclusivity their refusal to associate with those they considered spiritually unclean. They accused Jesus of two things. One, of allowing sinful people to come into his presence, and two, of going into their midst and eating with them. As we consider verses 3-10, through we must be very careful in interpreting these two parables. There is no point in seeking to allegorize them, as so many commentators do. We must simply recognize the setting in which our Lord spoke them and recognize the principle of God's love for each of his children as the primary lesson. Both the lost sheep and the lost coin are representative of sinners, such as the publican and the others with whom the Pharisees took such great offense. Each one of those sinners is of vital importance to the Lord, just as the lost sheep is to the shepherd and the lost piece of silver is to the woman. The concern for the lost sheep does not mean that the shepherd lacks love for the ninety-nine that were not lost. He doesn't neglect them, mistreat them, or expose them to danger. They are cared for. We can assume as well that the nine pieces of precious silver that were not lost were well protected during the search for the one piece that was missing. Would you agree that the point of both of these parables is God's yearning, care and patient effort for the recovery of the sinner and then the abounding joy in heaven and the restoration of that which was lost the statement the joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance I don't think that means that God finds more satisfaction in a repentant sinner than in a saint that need not repent I believe that the Lord was referring to the penitent publicans and to the self-righteous Pharisees.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I think it does show his his love for the individual, uh, not his neglect of the others. But in verse 5, when he does find his sheep, notice notice the care that he offers when he lays it on his shoulders. Here is a sheep who has wandered itself off. I mean, he... Uh, this is of his own making. He has made himself to be lost by wandering. Uh, you and I might have wanted to to kick it all the way home. Get back there. What do you What, what do you think? Get back. You know, um, I've given you no reason to wander off, and yet he has. And yet he throws him on his shoulders and is just thankful and rejoicing, and he doesn't have this sort of vindictive side. So we need to be thinking about that when. Uh, as we study these uh, when we look to restoring the one who is uh, who has wandered off do we have the same kind of joy and rejoicing or is this sort of or is there a an air of superiority and of self-righteousness that almost wants to inflict punishment for having found itself in this position
0: yeah just to I want to reinforce the joy that's in heaven verse 7 talks about there's the joy Verse 10 talks about joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Is that God knows in heaven, wants you there, want all people there. And the rejoicing that is there over the, the repentance, um, I think that's just a, a great joy. Longs for you on a personal note, regardless of where we've been in our relationship with Christ, to be there in heaven. That's just awesome. Verses 11 through 32.
1: Of Luke chapter 15 present one of the Lord's most beloved and well-known parables. The parable of the prodigal son. So, Jacob, you want to read verses 11-32?
0: through 32? Yes, it says, And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, and went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate in wild living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began doing without. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him, and he, and he sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to have his fill of the, car- the carob pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread, but I am dying here from hunger. I will set out and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. So he set out and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him. Father I have sinned against heaven in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves. Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's eat and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field when he came and approached the house and heard music and dancing. He summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and you never gave me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead, has begun to live, was lost, and has been found. Here are we we see perfectly
1: in this this great parable the, the experience of the repentant sinner and also the unsympathetic attitude of the the disdainful Pharisees. The first is represented in the story by the prodigal and the second by the conduct of his elder brother. In describing the waywardness of the younger son, Jesus gave a pretty complete picture of the character and the consequences of sin. His results are sketched in appalling colors. We are shown all the disillusion, suffering, slavery, and despair. As a picture of the inevitable consequences of sin, no touch could be added to the scene of the prodigal in the far country when he had spent all, when the famine had arisen, when he had sold himself to feed swine, (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. and was unable to be satisfied even with the coarse food he was providing for the beast
2: yeah the two two different uh, characters are represented in the beginning of this chapter the Pharisees and scribes and then the sinners with whom Jesus was eating of course those are the ones depicted in this parable the sinner uh, the prodigal son are the ones uh, with whom Jesus eats and then of course the older son would be representative of the Pharisees and the scribes who complained about his eating with them. As Greg said, there is uh, some. there are some great lessons to be learned about uh, these sinners and the ways that they have wandered away. The first of which I guess would be uh, uh, in verse 12, where the prodigal son says, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. This was a completely uh, inappropriate request And I think illustrates uh, the fact that here's a man who wants independence and he wants to go out and live his own way and do whatever he wants to do. And yet he can't even do that without asking for his inheritance from his father. Does this not perfectly show the reliance that all of us have, whether we care to admit it or not, the reliance that we have on our Father, who gives to us life, breath, and all things.
0: Yeah, in this story, we see we see someone who was a son go and leave all of that 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 was with that. With being a son of the Father, he comes to his senses, realizes that he can go back, and understands and says that he's not worthy to be called a son again. But the Father receives him and I just love that it's he says the, the son in verse 21 says I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son and the father does not address that at all in the fact of whether he's worthy or not he calls him a son again in verse 24 for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again he was lost and has been found the joy in receiving this one who was a son and gave it up and has come back to be in this, in this relationship with the father again it's despite our past, God still lets us be his sons to be his daughters and rejoices at our return, longs for that. I look at verse 20 and I look at that as a habit of the father. That it wasn't just happenstance that he was looking out and happened to see his son. I've always read it as it was a, a habit of looking, constantly waiting for the return of of his son. And it was something that the father doesn't just wait for him to get there and watches him take this, this stroll down, As he ran out there, embraced him, felt compassion for him, and kissed him. The love that our fa- the father in the story has for the, the son, and it, as the parable is obviously um, showing us the love that he has for us and for those that um, have been in sin and run off to go do their, their own will, that God loves and is waiting for for their return.
1: You know I look at verse 24 for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry. It appears to me strictly speaking that's the end of the parable of the prodigal son because in another sense the most beautiful part immediately follows. It's the description of the matchless love shown by God to every repentant soul. The father had never ceased to love the prodigal or to hope and yearn for his return. He had been eagerly looking for his wayward son. At the first sight of the prodigal, his heart was filled with compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The prodigal was ready to confess his fault the father commanded the servant to bring forth quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat it and let's make merry it's a picture not only of pardon but of complete restoration it assures the sinner that as he turns to god he will be received into the closest fellowship of a son and heir and that his return will give joy to the heart of God who will regard him as one that was dead and is alive again, as one who was lost and is found. Now it brings the next step, and that is the picture of the elder son. Unquestionably, it's intended to describe the loveless Pharisees who envied the joy of the repentant publicans and sinners. When the eldest son learned that his brother had been welcomed to the home, what was he filled with? Joy that his brother was home? No, he was filled with anger. He refused even to enter the house. And when his father came out to entreat him, he accused him of partiality and unkindness. His words describe admirably the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. I never transgressed a commandment of thine. Can you imagine that, having the arrogance to say that kind of thing? I have never transgressed a commandment of thine. And they also show how little he appreciated his true privileges. Thou never gave me a kid. The reply of the father intimates the possibilities which he had never had appreciated and the privileges which he had never had enjoyed. Son, thou art ever with me, and all that is mine is thine. It had always been possible for the Pharisees to enjoy the grace and mercy and love of God. But to them, religion had been a mere burdensome round of rights and duties.
2: You know, you can you can see the disdain of the older brother for his prodigal uh, brother in the, in the wording of verse 30. As soon as this son of yours, it's not as soon as my brother, it's this son of yours it's kind of kind of like God's disdain for Israel at Sinai it's like uh, your people Moses your, your people have done this it's, it's almost or in the days of Hosea not mine this, this kid these people are not mine well that's the way this uh, this son this brother was this son of yours who has done these things uh, you know you've you've uh, you've treated him so uh, so much greater than he deserves Um, i just wanted to point out that uh here this story should cause us if there's anyone who has likewise been tempted to think that the the grass is greener on the other side of the fence and has come to realize just as the prodigal did uh in verse 17 how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and i perish if you've come to the point where you realize you've made a terrible mistake and uh, in not trusting that God is the one who holds all uh, the fullness and the goodness uh, and every good thing belongs to him and comes from him you've come to that realization and you're ready to to come to him uh, then we, we offer ourselves to you to assist you in whatever way possible at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ just as Hosea called, saying, Return to the Lord, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. This prodigal son had prepared words with which to return to the Father. He says, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned, but God wants so earnestly for you to return that he, he doesn't even allow this man to get the words out, running and falling and kissing upon him. That is the same kind of reception you will receive among God's people, and we would rejoice along with heaven if you would give us the chance to, to help you in your relationship with God.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I noticed as well, Ross, when you pointed out the the son, the, older, the elder son saying, when this son of yours came back, And the father coming, responding with that in verse 32, talking about, um, we had to celebrate and rejoice because of this brother of yours was dead. And I think reinforcing that, you know, yeah, that's my son, but it's also your brother. Um, that has not changed. And for us, just as Ross said perfectly and beautifully that we would love to be, um, to rejoice, um, with you in your relationship with with christ whether it's um, for the first time or coming back to him uh, we would love to be there and to help you and we should all share the attitude that the father has and try and imitate that as much as possible and beware that we are not like the eldest brother you know there's one thing that i wish was revealed in the parable that is
1: not revealed and that is what the elder brother did after after the feast was given for his prodigal brother What did he do then? Did he repent of his selfishness? Did he repent of his lack of affection for his brother? And lack of affection even for his father, when you think about it, because of the way he acted. Or did he appeal to the Pharisees and accept the grace of God and further his plans for the salvation of the lost, or would they continue to criticize and envy
2: the
1: unrepentant
2: sinner? Yeah, that's a great point. I would love to know what he did, but I also kind of like the fact that it's left open because it's almost like it, it allows us to, to finish that story, to, to write the conclusion. What will I do if I find myself in that position? How will I conclude this story? Okay, that's going to have to
1: do it for this episode. We really enjoyed the opportunity to talk to you about the prodigal son. And we all have, in our lives have seen times when it was necessary for us to make profound changes and realize just exactly where we are as far as God is concerned. If you find yourself in that situation, then please... Come and be with us. Give us an opportunity to talk to you about God's Word and about the great love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until the next time then, thanks for listening to That You May Grow Thereby.